Hey guys, today's show is brought to you by one of our newest and favorite sponsors, and that is Photo IQ. Photo IQ offers digital photography online courses like none other of its kind. Okay, it's explained simply, concisely. There's no jargon, no overcomplications, and there are lessons for from beginner to intermediate photographer from ages 13 and up. It's the only digital photography course of its kind that offers online um, quizzes, personal feedback. You get to upload your your homework, and it'll help you build your own portfolio. It's going to be more in depth than anything you've probably taken in high school, and even if you took some like freshman level courses in college. Okay, and you can do this all socially distance from home you know we're all stuck in our houses under these uh lockdown restrictions and you know some of your schools aren't open well this is a great way to learn a new skill maybe develop an alternate source of income and get that side gig starting to sort of free yourself up so what i need you to do is go to photoiq.co and use the promo code fiction to get you 10% off. He offers a 30-day money-back guarantee. You got nothing to lose. So ditch those pathetic sunset pictures you guys have been taking. Go to photoiq.co, use promo code FICTION, and start learning how to take anything from camera basics, still life, food, landscapes, portraits, black and white, action photos, everything that you could possibly imagine. He's got a course for it. It's going to be better than anything you can find on YouTube. So go to photoiq.co and use promo code FICTION. All right, let's get on with the show. Anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the one and only voice and soul of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita, broadcasting once again deep behind enemy lines. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. It is Columbus Day, or as some people are pushing to get it changed to Indigenous Peoples Day. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about that. We've also got the the first Senate hearing for Judge Amy Coney Barrett and her uh, Senate confirmation hearing for the the Supreme Court nomination. And we've got uh, the the government, the World Health Organization, finally capitulating and admitting that. Eh, turns out maybe these lockdowns aren't the best way of handling the coronavirus. I, I always like doing the podcast, but when I get to come on and, and brag about how I'm right about yet another fucking thing, is uh, it's always a, a special day here at, at the Peddling Fiction Podcast Studios. You know, I I hate to uh, I hate to break it to you. And it takes, you know, the government or, or some sort of government organization. They're at least six months behind me, of course, if not years or centuries behind yours truly. So if you want to know what the truth is tomorrow, listen to the Peddling Fiction podcast today. And I will tell you with 100% accuracy the way things are or the way things ought to be. God damn it, it's hard always being right, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> anyway... We're, we're going to get into all that good stuff today. I hope everybody had a nice weekend. Mine, of course, was fantastic. Had some lovely weather. Went to a barbecue. Hung out at the pool on the beach. You know, the usual things. Went out uh, Went out to a couple bars last night. I had a blast. Man, it, it went by really fast for a... Uh, what, what basically amounted to a four-day weekend is uh, over in the blink of an eye, unfortunately. All my time here is just going by. 
unbelievably fast. I can't believe I've already been here for over three weeks now, which is just crazy to me. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I can come here for less than a month now and, and have it be anything um, resembling a, a vacation or something like that. That The days of a, of a week-long vacation or something like that are just, they're long gone as far as I'm concerned. But of course, you know, I've been working the whole time, so I, I bet it would feel a lot longer if, you know, every day was a, a vacation day and I had nothing to do and all day to do it for, you know, three straight weeks or something, it, it tends to slow down time a little bit more. But man, I, I'm already starting to, to panic about having to leave at the end of November. I might try to stay down till Christmas. We'll see how things go, because I think I think Thanksgiving is, is getting canceled by uh, my uncle who usually hosts it. So now my parents are talking about doing it in Wisconsin. And of course, they already got me to admit that I was coming back for Thanksgiving. So I don't know if I've painted myself into a corner or not, but uh, maybe I could try to um, use COVID as some sort of an excuse. You know, I'm not supposed to be meeting a, a bunch of uh, old people <laughs> in close quarters right after traveling, right? So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm already starting to plan my next trip for uh, once I get back, you know, right after Christmas, I think I'm out somewhere and I'm going someplace where I can live cheaply with an internet connection so I can still work. I am going to spend as little time in Chicago during the winter as possible. But who knows, maybe now that the World Health Organization has had a stunning reversal, maybe they'll start ending some of these ridiculous lockdowns. But something tells me that the uh, we're going to listen to the science and the scientists crowd, the uh, the liberal governors out there and mayors and everything like that, those aren't the uh, the type of scientists they're going to listen to, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But even that is not reason enough to stay in Chicago through the winter. So I will be figuring something else out. And um, I don't know. Until then, here we are. It's Columbus Day. And as far as that goes, I mean, I don't have too much to say on the topic, even though I am of Italian descent, at least partially. As far as Columbus Day goes... I- it really is frustrating to watch a bunch of idiots um, complain about celebrating this holiday. I mean, regardless of what you think of Columbus or, you know, the treatment of indigenous people, no matter what, it was a historically significant event. I mean, it, it should be remembered, you know, that America was discovered, okay? Um, but, the, you know, the the people that are up in arms about Columbus Day, it's like they have no frame of reference or historical context or anything it's like oh they they like committed genocide against the indigenous people and listen the most of the deaths that took place were just because they you know the europeans brought over diseases with them unbeknownst to them like they didn't have an understanding of germ theory or anything like that back then and they didn't know that the indigenous people didn't have you know immunities to all these old world diseases but that, that's what killed most of them off. I mean, it, a lot of it was just unintentional, un, unintentional consequences of, you know, what happens when uh, new new territory is discovered. And then it's like they act like all of these um, Native Americans and all these, um, you know, the Aztecs and, and things like that. Like they weren't a bunch of fucking crazy, crazy people like they didn't um, commit their own. Gen- I mean, the 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 Aztecs. Aztecs, I mean, down here in Mexico, they fucking ritually slaughtered tens of thousands of people every year. It's estimated like, I think like 50,000 people a year were sacrificed to their gods, you know, so the sun will come up the next day and shit like that. I mean, and these are very like brutal sacrifices. I mean, they fucking stab you, rip out your fucking beating heart and then kick your body down the fucking steps dismember you they had slaves they attacked other tribes and everything like that like they killed each other they were just as 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 savage as we were so i mean this uh romanticizing of indigenous people is really just uh fucking frustrating i mean no doubt the especially you know the native americans here got got some pretty shitty treatment from you guessed it the federal government, but to pretend like they were just, you know, uh, their their entire existence was all sunshine and butterflies and they didn't engage in any of the the stuff that the rest of the world was engaging in is just bullshit. They killed each other. They, you know, they slaughtered each other. They sacrificed people. They had slaves, all of that stuff. 
I mean, they, they were just as savage as the rest of us. I mean, this was a savage time. And it's easy for us to sit back here in 2020, living our comfortable lives in air-conditioned houses and everything like that, and look back at behavior from 500 years ago and be like, oh, look how savage those people are. But I mean, to sort of whitewash everything that, that uh, Native Americans did, uh, all of these these cultures, as if it, like only white Europeans are the evil people in in the world, is just absolutely ridiculous. But I think since you know Columbus sort of represents Western civilization, and this whole woke culture has to be like anti-Western civilization, they have to pretend like. Um, a bunch of fucking Indians weren't like cannibals and sacrificing women and children and 50,000 people a, a year in a population that's like, you know, four or five million. There's almost like 1% of the population every year just slaughtered for religious, you know, spiritual, ceremonial bullshit. And, and you know, we come over there and we give them some diseases accidentally. And then we, you know, we take a bunch of their land through conquest and things like that. As if the entire world wasn't founded on conquest. All of these territories were founded on conquest. And even the, the tribes, you know, in the U.S., they would fight each other over territory all the time. I mean, that that's the way the world was back then. So it's just like, okay, Christopher Columbus was a horrible person. The Europeans are terrible. All right, com compared to what? Compared to what other culture, you know? Oh, man. Show me one other culture that didn't engage in the exact same thing, that, that didn't obtain land through conquest, that didn't engage in ritual genocide and things like that. And, uh, okay, <laughs> I mean, compared to that, Columbus is looking like a walk in the park compared to, you know, having uh, 50,000 people getting their fucking heart ripped out and dismembered and eaten alive. European uh, culture is not looking too bad. Anyway, that's, uh, that's enough about that. I, I want to transition back to the, the craziness that is 2020. And just with every passing day, I see something more ridiculous than what I saw the day before. And the day before, I thought that ridiculousness could never be topped. It really is just unbelievable how fucking crazy the entire planet has gotten over this over this virus. I mean, I, I'm seeing this story here. It's um, there. There was a, a prom dance. So not only is everybody masked up and like socially distancing during this uh, this prom dance or something like that, but the way they're dancing, they are dancing back to back. So they're they're. Their backs are touching and they're interlocking their arms. And this is the way that uh, guys are slow dancing with their ladies now. <laughs> and this is just, I, I don't know what the fuck. We are in the last throes of, of society right now. I can't imagine people getting any dumber or more fucking ridiculous than what I'm seeing here. <laughs> just like, <sighs> oh my God, what are people thinking? I mean, there is no... Like logic has just gone completely out the window. It's like the entire the the entire approach to everything is cartoonish. The these are things that you would expect to see on like a in living color sketch or something like from back in the day those of you guys that are old enough to remember that show or Saturday Night Live or some sort of sketch comedy where you just take some, like a, a a little thing and, and you take it to like the most extreme ridiculous level. But we're seeing this like people are, are doing this with a straight face. There, there's a bunch of kids here dancing back to back. Uh, what, what happens after the, after prom night when they go back and have sex? I mean, what are we doing here? They're going to keep their mask on. Of course, that's going to protect them. And uh, this is all just fucking ridiculous. I can't believe how fucking dumb people are. Like I thought. The, the vast majority of people were were borderline retarded. Now, uh, it's been confirmed. The coronavirus has confirmed that the vast majority of people are unbelievably stupid and so prone to, to propaganda and hysteria. This is like, I, I would have never thought like you could get people to go along with stuff as ridiculous as this. But here we are. Here we are. You got you got kids dancing back to back at a prom dance. You've got this religious cult like dedication to masks and lockdowns, despite 
all this evidence to the contrary. You've got people playing in bands where they've got a hole in their mask for the instrument to, to fit through in, uh, into their mouths. You've got Gavin Newsom coming out and saying you should only take your mask off in between bites of food. In Chicago, it's like every time the waiter comes by, you have to put your mask back on, then you can take it off. <laughs> Wear your mask through the first ten, you know, through the entrance of the club, and then you can just take it off and be with you know four hundred other people in close proximity. This, this is just—I don't even know what to say. It, it, it is so beyond absurd. It, it's like a, we're living in this alternate reality. Like some switch got fucking flipped. And we are in bizarro world. And no matter how dumb an idea is, no matter how ridiculous the suggestion is, people go along with it. And people not only go along with it, they'll like fight you to the death over some of these restrictions. And we got, you know, these debates. We had the, the vice presidential debate. They were like, you know, 15 feet away, plus like putting plexiglass in between each other. <laughs> oh, my God. And now they want to have virtual debates on Zoom. You know, Donald Trump has refused to do that. I don't know if if he's going to be able to hold out because he needs, like I've, I've been talking about, he needs the debate. So he's in no position to just be like, I'm not going to do that. I think he's, um, if the Democrats are smart, um, which is a big if, but I mean, all they really have to do is hold out because Joe Biden doesn't want to debate anybody. The fact that he made it through barely, you know, the fact that he limped through the first debate without getting completely KO'd, even if it, you know, even if it goes to a decision, like a, a boxing match or something, and, you know, Trump ekes out the decision, okay, that's still a, a huge victory for Joe Biden. And, you know, the fact that he can just, Trump can refuse to, to debate him now, that that's even better. That's better for Joe Biden. Now he doesn't even have to come up with some bullshit excuse to get out of these things. And so I think if they hold firm, like we're only going to do virtual debates, Trump is going to have to capitulate and have a Zoom debate. And God only knows what kind of fucking teleprompters and and, and, mic and notes and, and uh, people feeding Biden lines and shit like that that, that he's going to come up with because... You know, all bets are off at that point, but it's very uh, poetic, I guess. To you know, it's very appropriate for 2020 to have a fucking ridiculous, not even a ridiculous debate. Take it to the next level and have it on Zoom, which is just be unbelievably fucking worthless. But it, it's just incredible to me that this is where we are, and so many people are on board with this. It you know, all it all it takes is for you to get out a little bit. And start living your life. A friend of mine is down in uh, Cabo right now. And his wife has been very apprehensive about traveling. And she's been very pro-virus, you know, social distancing, wearing the mask, staying inside all day long. And, you know, within hours of getting to Cabo, her, her entire fucking attitude had changed. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, he texted me. He's like, dude, this is like, this is the best decision we've ever made. Uh, now we're we're thinking about like you know if we trying to make this work and stay until the end of the year kind of thing. It just takes a, a couple minutes outside of the fucking hysteria bubble that's been painted by the corporate press and all these politicians. Once that you know you get outside that fucking thing, uh, you're outside the matrix. You're unplugged a little bit. You you realize that this is really fucking ridiculous. Everything we've been doing for the last six months is ridiculous. Man, do I, you, you must feel fucking stupid. And I know it's hard when, when you're wrong about something and when you're so fucking wrong about something, like to the, to the point where you, you've been doing ridiculous things and supporting ridiculous policies, it's hard to come to terms with the fact that you, you got it wrong. Now, fortunately for me, I'm so rarely wrong about things that I, I don't have to experience that that problem very often, if ever. But I can imagine. I can I can put myself in the shoes of some of these idiots out there that have you know the 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 Joe Bidens of the world, the uh, the Gavin Newsoms, the uh, um, what's her face, Lori Lightfoot. I can put myself in their shoes. When, you know, you've you've locked out, you've supported lockdowns, and we're gonna get into how detrimental these have been to the world in just a minute here. But 
you know, I, I, I can imagine how um, after supporting one of those policies, it, it's really hard to admit that you got it wrong to the point where they just double down on the ridiculousness. And it's like, well, yeah, it, you better you have to support it now. And it has to be the most devastating pandemic of all time. And this was going to be the end of the world to justify the positions that they've taken. And now that they've gotten them wrong and even the World Health Organization has come out against the lockdowns as a way to sort of combat COVID. It's just like, man, I don't know how you come back from that. I don't know where you go from here. How you sort of walk back your position now is going to be very interesting to watch. Let's take a quick second and thank our other dear, dear, dear sponsor of the show. You know him as Lorenzotti Coffee. Guys, if you like premium Italian coffee, but you hate going to these corporate, poorly managed, poorly prepared coffee houses, Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, things like that, especially now where you got to put on a mask on and stand in a socially distanced line. You're going to love Lorenzotti coffee. They deliver premium Italian coffee and coffee brewing supplies right to your door. It's a small business that was started by two liberty-minded entrepreneurs who came together over their love of coffee and their desire to bring that small, independent coffee house feel back here across the pond to the United States. So what I want you to do is go to Lorenzotti.coffee and use my promo code FICTION so they know I sent you, and they'll give you 10% off your order. Even if you're not a coffee drinker yourself, I'm sure you know someone who does, and these tins are beautiful. They'd make a great you know, portion of a gift basket or something like that if you wanted to send somebody that you care about a package. Maybe you know somebody who's got a birthday coming up like I just had or something like that. And they want some coffee. You know? Go to Lorenzotti.coffee, use promo code FICTION, and you'll get 10% off. All right, so we've got, pl- I mean, we're still like really far away from anybody I- admitting that this is fucking ridiculous. New York City just came out, they're bragging about this. New York City issues over $150,000 in fines during the first weekend of the new uh, lockdown, new COVID lockdown in New York City. So they, they came out and they tweeted this, New York City's, I don't know, their fucking COVID lockdown Twitter account or whatever the hell it's called. They've, uh, they broke up an illegal rave. Um, they, they, uh, they find like religious institutions. They, 62 summons uh, were handed out by city agents in the red, orange, and yellow zones, including five to non-compliant religious congregations. They're they're openly bragging about this. Like they're they're so virtuous. Look at they're they're doing the Lord's work here, shutting down religious institutions. I guess you know, uh, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. That that all goes out the window because you know there's a virus now, and they're more than happy to to shell out these fines and get some revenue from it to the to the point where that they're they're so proud of themselves for fining people for living their lives that they're going to openly brag about it. <laughs> It really is unbelievable. And this is all on the heels of the uh, World Health Organization in a stunning rebuke of the science and the doctors that all of these fucking leftist politicians wax on and on about believing, right? The Epic Times' Evan Penchikoff reports that the World Health Organization's special envoy on COVID-19 has urged world leaders to stop using lockdowns as the primary control method against the spread of the Chinese Communist Party virus, <laughs> CCPV, okay, commonly known as the novel coronavirus. We in the World Health Organization do not advocate lockdowns as the primary means of controlling the virus, said David Nabarro. The only time we believe a lockdown is justified is to buy you time to reorganize, regroup, rebalance resources, and protect health workers who are exhausted. But by and large, we'd rather not do it. Nabarro pointed out that the collateral damage that the lockdowns are having worldwide, especially among poorer populations, is unbelievably uh, detrimental to society. Just look at what's happened. This is a quote now. Just look at what's happened to the tourism industry, for example, in the Caribbean or in the Pacific because people aren't taking their holidays. Look what's happened to smallholder farmers all over the world because their markets got dented. Look what's happening to poverty levels 
it seems that we may well have a doubling of the world poverty by next year. Uh, that seems that we may well have at least a doubling of child malnutrition because children are not getting the meals at school. Okay, well, um, <laughs> I don't know about that. And, and their parents and poor families are not able to afford it. This is a terrible, ghastly global catastrophe, actually, he added. And so we really do appeal to all world leaders, stop using lockdowns as your primary control method, develop better systems for doing it, work together and learn from each other. But remember, lockdowns just have one consequence that you must never, ever belittle, and that is making poor people an awful lot poorer. Now, this is Dr. Dr. David Nabarro, the World Health Special Envoy on COVID-19. Now, I, I will take issue. There is definitely more than just one consequence to these lockdowns. There are numerous ones, but you know the the starving of people, hundreds of millions of people worldwide, is definitely one one big one. The World Bank, this is another article here, suggested upwards of 150 million people could be pushed into extreme poverty due to the virus pandemic, erasing nearly three years of progress in global poverty reductions. According to the report, for the first time in two decades, the virus pandemic, compounded by the effects of climate change, are slowing poverty reduction progress, resulting in, a, in an additional 88 million to 115 million people falling into extreme poverty this year, with total estimates of 150 million in 2021, depending on the economic recovery shape. The Biennial Poverty and Shared Prosperity Report defines extreme poverty as living on less than $1.90 a day which is likely to affect between 9.1 and 9.4% of the world's population this year. With the world's poverty rate expected to rise this year, it would mean extreme poverty is at 2017's 9.2% level, marking the first rise in poverty rate in two decades. The rate was expected to drop to 7.5 by 2021 before the coronavirus pandemic. Now, what they meant to say there was before the all these wise overlords in Washington and bureaucrats around the world, governments around the world, decided that we had to lock everything down for six months. You know, it was initially just like the, the World Health uh, Organization suggested that David Nabarro that, you know, you do it to, um, you know, regroup, rebalance, get your, your shit together so you don't overwhelm the hospitals. You do it for two weeks and then you open everything back up. But no, 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 no. If one person dies, it's too It's one person too many and we must shut everything down regardless of how much worse the, uh, the consequences of that are. I mean, this is unbelievable. Poverty on a worldwide scale had been coming down drastically thanks to the free market, thanks to free market capitalism, which gets such a bad name. But we've been pulling people out of poverty by the by the billions for the last 50 years now. And all of a sudden, you know, one virus comes in and the government decides that, well, you know, we have to shut everything down. Poverty be damned. And that's just one fucking problem that you get with these lockdowns, not to mention the, the, the people that are, you know, um, killing themselves over this, the people that are um, not getting the, the medical treatment they need, the cancer screening, things like like more people are, are dying as a result of these lockdowns and could ever be imagined right now dying from the coronavirus. Now, the initial, you know, doomsday scenarios of like fucking five million people dying those have been shot to shit and now we're looking at you know millions of uh, millions and millions and millions of people dying worldwide as a, a result of the government's reaction or overreaction to this virus and I, i'm sure we'll be getting an apology any day now from all of these politicians who clearly got this wrong, who have, you know, they like to blame Donald Trump for the 200 and whatever thousand Americans that have died of the coronavirus, which is just so fucking ridiculous already. But now they all have to look in the mirror 
and, and face the fact that they're killing tens of millions of people and they are ruining hundreds of millions of lives around the world. Children, black and brown, babies around the world. The very people that the, the left claims to be you know, up in arms about, they want to they wanna help the poor, they want to help you know, people of color. And us libertarians, you know, we get blamed for being heartless and we don't care about poor people. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. We're the only ones that actually do. And we have the, the best answers to, you know, curing poverty, to helping poor people of color around the world. You know, contrary to the, the Bernie Sanders of the world, that ideology entraps billions of people in abject poverty for the rest of their lives. We have, on the other hand, have a, a, a political philosophy, an economic philosophy that does the exact opposite, that has pulled more people out of abject poverty than any other system devised by man. You know, we, we rail against government, a government overreach, these draconian, you know, lockdowns and things like that that they do. And, and when it turns out it blows up in their face, the, you know, the government, that, that cl- they all come out and they claim that they want to help the poor people and they care about the poor and the downtrodden. And then, oh, look, their, uh, their policy has done more damage to poor people and made more people poorer than ever before, than any other thing that could have possibly happened. If this virus had raged at, uh, you know, beyond any of their wildest dreams, how bad it could have been. It still wouldn't have been as bad as what the the result of their lockdown policies have been to, to the rest of the world. Poor people specifically, but people in general everywhere around the world are suffering because of this. People's lives are ruined. And once again, libertarians, the end caps of the world, were 100% right on this. We got, we got it right from the beginning. These lockdowns should never have taken place. The, the costs of this, you know, people are, are so fucking incapable of, you know, holding a nuanced position or, you know, weighing the pros and cons, looking at something more than just from like one or two angles. Obviously, these, these lockdowns were going to have a more devastating effect than the coronavirus, which, you know, it just hit fucking Chris Christie is out of the hospital now, okay? Chris fucking Christie, that fat slob, morbidly obese, five days in the hospital, something like that, he's recovered from it now, okay? This is like unbelievable that we still have to make these arguments and that, you know, our videos, I had a video that was taken down off of YouTube already for, you know, talking about the coronavirus. I'm sure I was spreading fake news, right? I wonder how long before this World Health Organization video, because this is a video of this guy talking, giving an interview. I wonder if YouTube's going to take that down, even though their, their stated position is that they're going to abide by, you know, your videos have to abide by the World Health Organization's guidelines, recommended guidelines and everything like that. You have to conform to what the World Health Organization says and the CDC and all of these doctors and scientists that we have to listen to. Well, here they are. Here we go. Now you have your bullshit bureaucracy coming around to exactly what we've been talking about. Lo and behold, I'm sure my video will be put back up now. No problem. No censorship. Every All these other doctors that have been silenced, these whistleblowers that have been censored on all of these platforms, I'm sure they'll get a huge apology from big tech and all of these uh, bullshit fucking platforms that have been uh, you know, censoring everybody. They'll put their videos back up and we'll get a huge apology from all of these uh, politicians for ruining everyone's lives, destroying the fucking planet in six months. I mean, this really is fucking unbelievable that they get to come back out, walk it back now and just be like, whoops, you know, turns out uh, these lockdowns were not that good of an idea and uh, things have really gotten bad around the world and, and we're, we're really, the, the, the consequences of this are so much worse than anything the coronavirus could possibly do in a million years and maybe you guys want to start walking these back a little bit, come up with a different way of, of responding to the coronavirus, huh? You don't say. You don't say that maybe locking down everyone in society when only a really small percentage of the population is at risk of of serious complications from this virus, maybe that's not the best approach. Maybe treating 
you know, rural America the same way you treat a, a huge, a bustling city like New York or Chicago or something like that. Maybe that's not the, the best approach. Yeah, you think? You think? You idiots. I'm sure Joe Biden will be pushing for, you know, to end the lockdowns now that, you know, they'll, they'll be lifted. All of these draconian lockdowns, um, all of these, uh, you know, he. <laughs> It's so fucking funny because like two days ago, he's like, I'm going to push for a lockdown and a national mask mandate and a blah, all this stupid shit. And then the World Health Organization comes out. They're like, yeah, um, you, you kind of got we got it all wrong. These lockdowns are fucking terrible. They're doing much more damage than than we could have ever imagined the the coronavirus doing. So we need to really walk this back a little bit. I'm sure you know because these are these are the scientists now, right? These are the scientists we have to listen to. And man, it, it's going to be hilarious to watch their their reaction to this now. I, I want to see another debate. I want to see somebody have to address this because they they have fucking they have done an unbelievable amount of damage to the world with these retarded fucking lockdowns. And yet, you know, they'll they'll just try to blame Donald Trump for for the deaths. Apparently, what about the deaths of these you know 150 million people being thrown into abject poverty, a dollar ninety a day? You know, taking all of this progress we've made, and when I say we, I mean free markets. You know, people engaging in voluntary interaction, absent government regulation, everything like that. I mean, the government does everything in their power to make people more poor while they claim to be champions of, of poor people and they're going to do all this stuff. They, they've done nothing but make everybody poor. That's what government does. They're an albatross around our neck. They drag us down. They're, they're an anchor on our feet while we're swimming in the ocean. Every step of the way, around every corner, they are taking money from you, lining their pockets, they are stealing from the productive parts of society and blowing all of that money in government uh, on ridiculous you know, government policies that only exacerbate all of the problems they claim to be you know, wanting to solve. We're never going to get an apology. I don't even think they're going to address it. Like, how are they, how could you possibly address this now if you're Joe Biden? Unless, unless you know, you win the election and then you try to say, you're like, oh, see, like I've done, now that you know, Donald Trump is out of here, I'm putting in these new policies and uh, everything's good now, right? And I wonder how long it's going to be before the whole mask thing gets gets debunked, you know, besides being on this podcast. I mean, like the way we're wearing these masks is absolutely ridiculous. It doesn't, you know, it really doesn't do much to minimize the transmission of this. Clearly it doesn't. And I wonder when the World Health Organization is going to come out and, and, you know, walk back their policy on masks and then Joe Biden's going to have to to deal with that as well. It's going to be very fun to watch them sort of tiptoe around this one and sort of walk back all of these idiotic policies they put in place that are not only, you know, completely unconstitutional, just horrifically immoral. And un- unbelievably, it's everything that libertarians warn about, you know, t- tyrannical government overreach, g- controlling your lives, telling you where you can go, when you can go, what you can do, who you can do it with. Uh, it's it's everything that we've feared coming to fruition and all of the consequences of it. it you know, it's the perfect example of a government solution to a problem creating 15 other problems on top of it that are a million times worse. And that's, you know, this is a a perfect microcosm for everything government does, except it's just like the most, the biggest, I even know you can call it a microcosm because it's so goddamn big. It's, it's the whole world now has taken on these idiotic policies and the whole world is going to suffer the consequences of it. The unintended consequences, the intended consequences, all of it. And that's what happens every time the government steps in to do something. Anytime a politician comes out and says, oh, I, you know, we have this solution. Here's a bill. This, uh, we're, we're creating this agency or this committee, this super committee to solve this problem. Great. 
You know, it's like they're putting a Band-Aid on top of a cancerous mole or something like that. It's like, okay, now you can't see the mole, so uh, I guess we, we solved the cancer problem, right? Uh, not not really, because the, the cancer's inside you now, and it's going to start attacking all of your fucking major organs. You didn't actually solve anything. You made the, the problem a million times worse. You're going to have ten more problems that are so much more devastating and detrimental to the to the patient than the, the initial cancerous mole. Government never solves anything. All they do is create more and more problems, which is why, you know, you have every year, year after year, all these elections are just about all the problems that we face. It's like, all right, well, I mean, don't you think if the government could have solved any of these problems, they would have done it by now? I mean, how much more money do we have to spend? We're, we're $27 trillion in bonded debt now, hundreds of trillions of dollars in unfunded liabilities. And what do we have to show for it? Poverty, exactly where it was, you know, in the fucking 60s before they declared a war on poverty. Poverty's actually going backwards now. They're, they're taking us back a few years. They're, not only did they stop that progress in its track, they're actively making us poorer as we go along. As government gets bigger, the people get poorer. We're fighting the longest wars in American history. There's no end in sight to that. And uh, man, they, they've got nothing to show for it. Every year they come out with more and more problems. Like even you know this this whole healthcare thing. So we've got Judge Amy Coney Barrett is is uh, you know testifying right now. Let's take a second and thank our other sponsor for today's show, and that of course is Matt Octung. Raleigh's digital marketing dude. Digital marketing is just a vital thing to know, have, and understand how to do this day and age. You can't run a business without having a digital footprint. And so for any of you listeners out there who have your own business, or you're thinking about starting your own side gig, you know somebody who does, who's struggling to get the internet attention that they need, you got to have them get in touch with Matt Octung, Google Matt Raleigh's digital marketing dude. He comes right up. He'll be the first one in the Google search. And that's what he's going to do for your company. 75% of all views, clicks, and calls go to the first three businesses that show up when you Google something like, hey, is show me a restaurant near me. The first three guys that come up are the ones who get 75% of the views. So if you want your share of that 75% and you want your business to start appearing at the top of these searches instead of on page six in the Google search, which I don't, I can't remember the last time I ever clicked through past the first page on a Google search. It's just like the first couple, like I do the same thing. I do the exact same thing that everybody else does. So if you want people to actually see your business and frequent your business and click on your links, you got to Google Matt Raleigh's digital marketing dude. He's a digital marketing consultant and he doesn't just handle the Raleigh, North Carolina area. He can work with you no matter where you are. He's just based out of Raleigh, which is why he's Raleigh's digital marketing dude. And right now, for business owners and listeners of the Peddling Fiction podcast, he's offering free digital marketing consultations. So he'll teach you how to conquer your local search problems. He'll help you build reviews, optimize your social media, learn how to run Google and Facebook ads, and convert leads into paying customers and clients. So Google Matt Raleigh's Digital Marketing Dude. Get your free consultation. I mean, it's free. You've got literally nothing to lose. Tell him I sent you. You'll get a free consultation and give your small business business digital superpowers okay they're having this the senate's having their hearing on this and the democrats are painting amy coney barrett as like this great threat to individual liberty or something like that like her getting nominated to the supreme court is just going to ruin everyone's lives and you're going to lose your health care and abortion's going to you know be illegal around the world like all no Listen, Barrett isn't a threat to liberty at all, okay? Especially if she does what she's purported to do, which is, you know, uh, bind the government to the Constitution, the original intent of the Constitution, and stop them from doing all sorts of unconstitutional things. That's not a threat to liberty. That's the, you know, the best thing that we could hope for. That's a boon to liberty. That's, you know, that's exactly what the Supreme Court is supposed to do. And it was designed pretty poorly, you know, as I've gone over on other other episodes, but it's designed to protect liberty, okay? What the, the Democrats want is a, a tyrannical, overreaching government, right? She would be a threat to that. She'd be a threat to our wise overlords in robes determining how you live your life 
where you live your life, what you can do, who you can do it with. She'd be a threat to big government. She'd be a threat to politicians controlling your lives. But that's about it. So I don't know. I haven't been following much of the, of the coverage of that. Maybe I'll, I'll have an update later in the week on, on Thursday's show or something like that. But Amy Barrett is not going to be, um, if she does what she's supposed to do, she's not going to be a threat to, to individual liberty at all. She's going to be a threat to, to this big government overreach starting to control every aspect of our lives. And it should give people pause to reevaluate this whole system. I mean, if you are like so afraid of, you know, because they, they, they paint her as like, you know, she's going to strip away your health care, which is complete bullshit. But if you're so afraid of that, maybe we need to rethink this system. I mean, they're, they're, their whole, like, in typical government fashion, I've been talking about this entire show, instead of just undoing the problems that government does in the first place, they, they tack on like 10 other fucking government solutions. So the government, the government solution, the left solution to the problem of Supreme Court overreach of legislating from the bench is to increase the number of Supreme Court justices. I mean, they're clearly going to stack the court. They will not answer that question directly, no matter how many times you ask it. But that's their plan. You know, the original problem is that we have the Supreme Court in the first place. But now, in order to fix that problem, we're going to make it even bigger. Okay. But that, you know, this whole system of having nine individuals in robes control whether or not you can get health insurance or health care if you really want to be disingenuous, maybe that's not the best system. I don't know. Maybe we should rethink this whole thing instead of just making it bigger and, and compounding the problem and making the fight for these seats that much more fierce, you know, the fight for control of government, since it controls, you know, since it's involved in every aspect of our lives, the fight becomes that much more important every uh, with every election, right? And that much more heated, because now something in your life is at stake, because the government's involved in every aspect of our lives. And the more they get involved, the more meaningful these appointments are going to be. Now, who wants to live like that? What if we just got rid of the whole thing? What if it was just tomorrow it was gone and you could get your health insurance from whoever you wanted to get your health insurance from, some company in Japan, some company from another state? Who who cares, right? And why is it tied? You know, there are so many problems with this whole healthcare angle. And I guess that's where I'll go with this because I don't really have much to say about Amy Barrett anyway, other than what I've already said. I'm seeing every, you know, Democratic politician, oh, ramming through this nomination. This is just an attempt to rip healthcare away from millions of Americans. They want to repeal the Affordable Care Act and rip healthcare away. Okay, um, look. The Affordable Care Act was a fucking disaster. And this is why when you watch the Democratic debates, when they talk about health care, it was a very interesting thing to have to watch because you can't really criticize Obama, black Jesus, you know, the Messiah who walks on water for the Affordable Care Act being a disaster. But they just talk about all these problems in health care. Oh, you know, insurance is too expensive. Everybody's health care is way too expensive. Blah, 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 blah. We need to just, you know, universal health care for all. It's like, all right, well, but wasn't you know, the Affordable Care Act supposed to fix all those problems, not make them a million times worse, which is exactly what it did, which was, you know, was probably by design. So it's like this was they're they're admitting they're admitting that this was a, an unmitigated disaster, a complete failure. The Affordable Care Act did not make health care more affordable. Um, all it did was force a bunch of people to to buy insurance that they didn't want. A lot of people lost their dot. You know, if you want, you, you like your health care plan, you can keep your health care plan. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. That was all bullshit. People lost all their doctors. They lost their health care plans because it didn't meet the Affordable Care Act, you know, threshold for whatever. And, you know, they, you know, carriers just shut down because they couldn't operate under these ridiculous rules and regulations and things like that. So you end up with less carriers and, and even more of a monopoly in areas where there's only one insurance provider and things like that. I mean, they've done an incredible job of destroying health insurance. They'll never admit that it, you know, they'll never specifically say that the Affordable Care Act took a problem that we had and made it worse. They will say that in not so many words. They'll tiptoe around it. And then, you know, their solution, oh, of course, you know, government should take over everything. As if the entire healthcare fucking problem isn't 100% government made. Now, when they say that Amy Comey Barrett is going to rip healthcare away from Americans, that is bullshit. 
Okay, that is bullshit on a number of levels. First of all, um, they love to do this where they mix, they interchangeably use healthcare and health insurance. They're two very, very different things. Okay, nobody is denying anyone healthcare or you know saying you can't go see a doctor or anything like that. Now, the Supreme Court will be hearing, uh, sometime in November, they'll be hearing uh, cases of uh, the Affordable Care Act and whether or not it's constitutional, which it is not. I mean, let's not, get, let's not get any idea that anything the government is doing right now is constitutional. 95% of the government would disappear overnight if it was held to, you know, whether or not it was constitutionally uh, justified. But that, so this is the big fear with Amy Coney Barrett is that, she doesn't, you know, she's going to interpret the laws as they were written, and she's not going to do this retarded, you know, uh, gimnastics dance that they did to, to try to get, <laughs> to try to justify, you know, forcing Americans to buy health insurance <laughs> as some sort of constitutional thing. So in all likelihood, it would get struck down if she's elected to the Supreme Court and the Republicans control everything, as it should be. But that doesn't mean that people are going to get their health care ripped away from them. Okay, now the big thing, the big issue around this whole healthcare debate, which is what they're trying to hammer the Republicans on, you know, you saw this in the, the Trump debate and the, the uh, vice presidential debate with Pence, where they say they're going to they're going to, you know, eliminate the pre existing conditions clause of the Affordable Care Act, which says that you can't discriminate against people for pre existing conditions, you can't charge them more for insurance, and you have to insure them regardless of whether or not they have the, the thing already, which is just I mean this is another thing that the government does. They take these words and they completely pervert the meaning of them. Okay. If you are forcing insurance companies to cover people that are already sick, that are already suffering from the thing that they're supposed to be insuring against, that is not insurance. That is just socialized healthcare. And if you're forcing the rest of the country, young, healthy people to pay for that, that's just socialized medicine. That, that's all it is. You're, you're forcing young, healthy people to pay for sick people. Okay. Um, you cannot have insurance if you're not allowed to discriminate against pre-existing conditions. I mean, that's what insurance is. And the only reason people buy insurance is because, you know, they buy it when they're healthy because they know that once they get sick, right, they can't get insured. I mean, that's the free market mechanism at play here. The free market had a way to, you know, ensure that young, healthy people would buy health insurance. Okay, what the Affordable Care Act did was they took away that thing, right? They took away the whole incentive that the free market put in place for healthy people to buy insurance, which is, you know, I buy it now when I'm healthy and it'll be cheap. And then if I get sick, you know, I'm already covered kind of thing. And if I wait till I get sick, then I won't be able to get insurance and I'll have to pay, you know, out of pocket for all this stuff or whatever. So that was the free market incentive. They took that away and then they put a law in place that said you have to cover people with pre-existing conditions. And then in order to do that, they put another law in place that forced young healthy people to buy insurance. And that was the the penalty for not buying insurance that um the only reason the Supreme Court ruled that it wasn't a penalty, that, I mean this is so retarded. I I can't believe Again, we're living in the bizarro world, but they said that the, the reason it was constitutional and it wasn't a penalty is because it wasn't enough. You know, the penalty for not buying insurance wasn't enough to deter anybody from actually not buy, uh, from buying it or whatever. So it's like the, the, because the, the fine was too low and it was going to be ineffective, therefore, you know, it didn't constitute a, a constitutional violation or anything like that. And it's just it really is unbelievable. That this is where we are, but this whole this this entire problem of health insurance is one hundred percent government made, and, and they keep trying to stack more government policies and laws and uh, affordable care acts and all, all this shit on top of it to try to correct the original problem that was government made. I mean, why is health care tied? to your employment. Why, why is health insurance rather tied to your employment? See there, I, I just did their, their stupid thing. Um, the reason for that is because of the wage and price controls the government forced on people in light of World War II. 
Okay, so because you couldn't pay your employees more money, you couldn't increase their wages, there were controls on that, they would give them fringe benefits. So instead of giving you like an extra 10 grand in salary, they'll give you $10,000 worth of health care. Okay, the problem with that is that once you lose your job, you lose your health insurance. I mean, no other insurance works like this. I have homeowner's insurance. I have car insurance. You know, you have fire insurance. You have all this insurance. You don't lose any of it when you lose your job. Of course not. That's retarded. That's ridiculous. And they put all these things into the tax code to incentivize businesses to give it to you and, and to get the, your health care through that way. So this is all 100% government made. And that's where the pre-existing condition problem comes into play. Because, you know, if you buy your health insurance when you're young and healthy and it's not tied to your job, you lose your job, you still have your health insurance, right? So if it's tied to your, your job and you get fired and while you're unemployed, you don't have health insurance and you develop one of these pre-existing conditions, well, now you're fucked because now you're going to get a new job and you're going to have a pre-existing condition and then you can't get covered. I mean, this is ridiculous, the fact that we have to deal with these problems. I mean, th the solution is so fucking clear. Get rid of the, the tax code that incentivizes health care to be received through your employers. Stop having it tied to your employment. Let healthcare, you know, health insurance um, companies operate across state lines, hell, across country lines. Why can't I buy health insurance from some company in Japan? Who cares? I mean, what is this? I get one carrier for to cover my entire state? I can't, I mean, this is all just fucking nonsense. But if you, if you eliminate that, you eliminate the vast majority of problems that arise from this whole pre-existing condition thing. And there are even ways to deal with that. You know, they say people were born with pre-existing conditions. There's, there's got to be a million ways to handle that from a free market standpoint as well. I mean, why couldn't you just insure your baby before you have it? I mean, I guess you'd have to admit that it's a person at that point, which might make some people uncomfortable. But it's like, okay, you're eight months pregnant. You get, you know, you go to the doctor, everything looks healthy or whatever, and you say, okay, I want to buy insurance for my baby, and then you know, it's born and it's insured already before they could even figure out whether or not it's had a pre-existing condition. I mean, why, why wouldn't that work? Just right off the top of my head. I don't know. This is all just nonsense. And the idea of covering somebody with a pre-existing condition, I mean, the whole point of insurance is you're insuring against those pre-existing conditions happening to you. It'd be like being able to buy car insurance after you wrap your car around a fucking tree. I mean, what, what possible market could function that way? I mean, everyone's just going to wait until they have an accident and then you'll just be constantly paying out claims. There's nobody paying in. I mean, obviously that would happen. That would destroy the auto insurance industry. Of course, of course. And of course, now they've got the Republicans advocating for covering pre-existing conditions. Donald Trump says, oh, the pre-existing condition thing, it's very popular. It's not going anywhere. We're going to protect pre-existing conditions and blah, 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 blah. Look, that's another huge problem here is that everything that's politically popular is economically devastating, okay? Good politics is poor economics every single time. Just because a dumb idea is popular with dumb people doesn't mean it should be implemented. But of course, now that the government's handed this uh, program to the people, no politician is ever going to want to take it away, just like Social Security and all these other things. Once they get that in there, once the, the people are given something for free, and that's uh, people with pre-existing conditions getting their health insurance subsidized by healthy people, it's going to be very hard to take that away. No politician is going to have the balls to do it because, like Donald Trump said, it's popular, even though something like that just completely destroys the concept of insurance. Again, they take these words like insurance and they completely pervert the meaning of it. This isn't insurance at this point. Once you force insurance companies to, to cover people that are already sick, I, I don't know what you call that, but it ain't insurance anymore. It's just forced health care. And then look at the things that we insure, you know, compare Take car insurance again, right? Think of all the routine maintenance you do to your car, right? You get new tires, you get tires rotated, you get you know fluids checked. Uh, you're, you're constantly replacing fluids, oil changes, you know, brake fluid. You get an alignment. You get new headlights. You get. I mean, there's all sorts of maintenance, car washes, and things like that. You put gas in the car constantly, right? I mean, you do all these things to the car, and you pay out of pocket for that. Now imagine if gasoline 
routine maintenance on the car was covered by insurance. Imagine how much more it would it would cost because it's guaranteed to happen. You don't insure things that are guaranteed to happen. Only an idiot would do that. And of course, that's the government's solution. That's what the Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, uh, what's his Chuck Schumer. They want to insure against things that are guaranteed to happen. Well, that's guaranteed to fuck up the insurance market. Okay, um, you don't insure against things that are guaranteed to happen. Routine maintenance, you, you know, you don't uh, your your tire changes aren't covered by your auto insurance. Okay, that would just make them cost a million times more because you have to pay for the the insurance policy on top of replacing the tires and everything like that. But that's what we do with healthcare. Routine health, you know, healthcare checkups. You go there, you, you pay twenty bucks or whatever your copay. And then they, you know, they, they take some routine tests and then you leave and, th- and that's covered by insurance. So instead of paying like a really small amount out of pocket for routine medical care, you, you know, you pay for this entire enormous bureaucracy and red tape and, and paperwork and insurance and all this stuff to cover things that are guaranteed to happen. It's, it's all just ridiculous. And if you wanted to destroy the insurance market, health insurance market, you would do exactly what the government has done to it, 100%. I, I can't think of a better way to destroy a market than to, than to do what they've done. And the solution to that is not to get like somebody on the Supreme Court that's going to rule in favor of more government overreach. No, no. The solution is to undo all of the problems that government has done in the first place. I mean, health insurance, go back, you know, uh, 80 years or so, it was not expensive to get catastrophic health insurance or something like that. It was cheap. It was inexpensive, as it should be, because the odds of, you know, a young person developing, you know, some sort of catastrophic cancer or something like that, they're low. They're low. And I mean, the market was working fine before the government stepped in and screwed everything up. And then, of course, they try to blame it on the free market, just like they do with everything else. And then they propose more government solutions as the cure for the problem, for the disease of government intervention. Government intervention is what's making everybody sicker. The free market was making everybody healthier. Government comes in, institutes some horrible idea, maybe a COVID lockdown, maybe a change to the air health insurance or something like that. And then when that inevitably fails, blows up in their face, ends up uh, making things a hundred times worse for everybody involved, well, their solution is more of what's making us sick, more of what caused the problem in the first place. When are people going to wake up to this? We have the, the perfect display going on right in front of our eyes right now, and that is the COVID lockdown, the government response to the novel coronavirus. Don't forget what everything that they've said from the beginning of this disease to the end of it, to throughout this whole pandemic, which I just saw some tweets here. Um, I'm trying to, I don't know if I can pull them up. I don't remember where they are, but lockdown deaths are growing at 5% a week. And our COVID numbers, our, our, our you know disease numbers, are actually below the CDC's threshold for what qualifies as a, as a pandemic. And they have been lower than that for weeks. So we're no longer technically in a pandemic, according to the CDC. But never forget everything that they've said along the way, everything that they've done, and the results of that. The results have, have been hundreds of millions of lives ruined, economic devastation, the likes of which most of us have never seen. I mean, this is going to be an unmitigated disaster, 100% government made. Don't let them try to tell you otherwise, because you know they're going to be blaming anybody but themselves. There's going to be untold amounts of finger pointing as they realize that they completely fucked this up, if they ever admit it. Uh, we'll see if they will ever muster up the balls to admit the fact that they got this completely wrong, devastated the world, put more people into abject poverty than anything you know uh, nature could have done on its own. This is unbelievably sad, and it should be a lesson to everybody as to why libertarians are right about everything, why you need to start listening to us, why we need to start rolling back government a little bit, because everything they do 
is like the coronavirus. It's just on a smaller scale. We are 100% right on this as we are everything else. And we need to start waking people, more people up to, the, to this fact. I mean, before it's too late. I don't know how much longer we can go, how, how much longer we're going to have a society if we keep going down the, the, uh, the path that the Joe Bidens of the world, the Bernie Sanders of the world want to take us down. I mean, even the, you know, I, I keep bringing up Democrats just because they're they seem to be the ones that are like staunch proponents of these lockdowns. But it's not like Republicans are off the hook here either. They're they're still going to lead us down the path to economic devastation and, and financial ruin. They're just going to do it with the society opened up after COVID. You know, I got an article here that I'm not going to have time to get into today, but they're, you know, they're coming around to another stimulus plan. I think they're up to, is it 1.8 trillion? Remember when we first talked about that? They were at a trillion and the Democrats were at like two or 3.4 and then they went down to like 2.5 or something like that. The Republicans are going to capitulate because they've, they've already capitulated the argument, which is government spending helps the economy. Right. As soon as you admit that, as soon as you sacrifice that principle, you've lost the debate. You've lost the argument. I mean, if government spending helps the economy, if all this stimulus is good and there are no negative repercussions, well, then why not three point four million? Why not 10 million or a trillion? Why not, you know, 20 trillion? Just keep, you know, if a little is good, a lot more is better. Right. So, of course, they're going to have to capitulate. and They're just going to keep coming closer and closer to the Democrats number until they get there. It's only a matter of time. So these two parties are working in tandem to destroy our lives, and we need to start waking people up to the fact that we have answers as libertarians to cure all the diseases of government. We've got all the answers. They just have to listen to us. And I'm going to leave it there for today, guys. Thank you all so very much for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. Support our sponsors if you can. And if you can't, go ahead and support the show directly by going to PedalingFictionPodcast.com. And if you can do all that for me, I will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode for you. And until then, you guys know the drill. Just keep on pedaling that so-called fiction. Peace.